Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Jess Hickman, I am so excited to have you on the She's the Boss Chats podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's lovely to have a chat and connect. Yeah, it is. And wait, because I'm dying for everyone to know what it is that you've been doing. And then we'll talk a little bit about how the hell you came to do what you're doing, which is not exactly an uplifting story. But um, so for anyone listening, I have spoken to Jess briefly before, and I just thought her story was so amazing. I wanted her to come on as a guest. But let's start with what you do now, Jess. So what are you actually doing right now? Tell us about your business. Yeah, so it's interesting right now, obviously, because of COVID, everything's changing rapidly. Yeah. Um, but the core of my business and who I am, so I'm a speaker, educator and author, um, my yeah. business is called Bullyology, so um, it's a training and education business that specialises in really raising awareness about the damaging effects of bullying uh, to personal, personal and business success. And um, yeah, right now I'm turning everything into content online, considering my 2020 speaking gigs and face-to-face workshops <laughs> disappeared like many. Yeah. So I'm I'm really in this um, interesting space right now where I'm going back inwards, looking at how how I can impact the world outwards through the like the change that's happening. Oh, I love even what you're saying. And on top of that, we were planning on doing a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and then you've made the big trek out to Orange as well, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't have internet for 14 <laughs> days. So when you work for yourself, as you know, when you have no internet, time is money. And I was just like, ah, but I realized there's much more going on in the world. So I really used, uh, I, f- I felt like the biggest break I've had in a while. As you know, as an entrepreneur, Bet. you just don't take holidays. You're constantly on the pulse. Um, obviously I had my phone, but my 4G was really bad. Um, so I just really, yeah, embarked on a journey. So we've moved from Sydney to Orange, which is super interesting to get away from the big city and the rat race. Yeah, I bet. Um, I bet. And it'll be, it's a great place, I think, to be, to be doing what you're doing as well. I like it that you're in a regional area, but that leads me straight into, which is pretty much going to be, I would imagine most of our chat. Why did you set up Bullyology? Take us on that little story of what happened. Yeah, so well, it's not a little story at all. <laughs> yeah, so um, so basically, as you can hear from my accent, I'm from Wales. I came to Australia wow. in 2013. A young, yeah. ambitious backpacker, taking a career break from my job in the UK. I fell in love with the place, the people, the country, the beaches. And really was lucky enough to be offered a job um, working in the HR department, in, but it turned out it was going to be in Darwin. So initially the role was in the corporate office in Perth, corporate office in Perth but really offered. And this is a big company too, wasn't global it? Global company, a- massive company. Um, yeah, funny enough, it was a company that some of my family had worked for in the UK. So they knew that I was in Australia, offered me a job. Uh, as you can imagine, a uh, young girl backpacking, living in hostels, the party lifestyle, so all of a sudden being in a corporate office in Perth, company car, apartment, 
this this job. What was the role? What what was your job there? Um, working in HR. So initially, right. uh, when I first ironically, got, yeah, when I first got there, they kind of offered me a job, and it was interesting because initially it was a bit around co- uh, contracts. I'd been in the UK. I'd been an office manager for a large uh, construction company, running right. teams, and I'd also um, my background is in youth and community work. So I worked full time doing the office management role and part time as a youth and community worker running deprived and, and youth drop in centres. So that's right. really where my heart laid. But as a 23 year old, I was building up my education to to go into that full time. Um, right. So it was interesting. So I got offered this job and I remember meeting with the CEO and he sat me down in, in a coffee shop and basically said, are you looking for a career and to stay in the country or something to fund your backpacking? Because there's opportunity for both if you prove yourself. And oh, yeah. I said, I want to stay. I want to get a visa. I want to build a home here. I've been here six months backpacking, traveling. I love it. So from that <laughs> word go... I felt like everything was just amazing for me. And what happened was I was three months in Perth and they offered me uh, the position to go and be the HR officer on a large oil and gas project in rural Darwin. So it was right. super interesting. I got dropped into Outback Darwin as a young So hang female. on a minute, though. Why were you so keen to go to Outback Darwin? I mean, for a lot of people, that would have been like a... Ugh. You know, don't know whether I want to make that change. So Perth to Darwin, what was, what yeah, was, the, what was going I on first, in your head? When I first met with the CEO, it was in Darwin. So I was traveling up through the middle and he said, we've got a big project kicking off. Can you come to Darwin in two days? Okay. And I said, yeah, cool. So he offered me the job and flew me to Perth the next day. Um, right. But I knew that it was going to be coming back to Darwin. And to be honest, it didn't really phase me construction industry I'd been in and out of it um, for the last couple of years all my family are in the industry and I love a good challenge so I thought this is fantastic I I get on the job training opportunity to recruit a team and be one of the first boots on the ground of this project recruiting people building a workforce and obviously learning and growing and the big benefit was a visa and staying in the country. So um, yeah, of course, that was a real driving force. So, but I really wasn't as expected initially. Uh, day one on the job and in the induction, I heard the word suicide, and it was really positioned as men in the industry have a high rate of killing themselves. And the way oh that my was, God. yeah, so it was a fly-in, fly-out industry. So people were coming interstate and from overseas living in camps for a month at a time, away from friends and family. Right. So there was a high rate of mental health, drugs, anxiety, depression, you know, gambling, sex addiction, all of the things when a large thousands and thousands of men are in this, this toxic masculine environment for long periods of time. Um, right. So it was interesting that, that that word suicide, I can remember vividly sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness me, um, if I'm going to be looking after this department, I need to make sure that when I recruit, ma- like maintain, retain and look after the workforce, that we really need to put culture, family and state of mind at the front of everything that we do. Um, yep, so, yeah. Right. So, yeah, it was a really great opportunity that I could bring in my youth work experience and that nurture, heart-centered approach into this real masculine environment. 
So, the so first, how did it all pan out? Yeah, so in the first six months, it was interesting because it was a large Kiwi scaffold, uh, like scaffolders. So as you can imagine, a young Welsh girl standing in front of a sea of hundreds of men saying, let's talk about <laughs> mental health. Yeah, <laughs> and, I bet. <laughs> yeah, but over I can time, imagine like, that. Over time, like anything, I spent my days walking around, building relationships, letting people know, building that trust that was like archaic archaically broken down with the HR department yeah. they, especially in them contract roles they were thinking if they ever spoke up about anything or showed vulnerability that they would lose their job oh okay right so you had to go and sort of go you're in we're all in this for the long haul it's okay and it's yeah. okay to talk if you're having yeah. problems so really create a safe environment. So in the first six months, we, we did massive things. We built trust. We built action teams. We we got peer-on-peer -peer workers and support workers. We were up training. We made local partnerships where we had external consultants and charities come on. So look, it was going great. Um, more importantly, people were speaking up, but I started to win awards for the culture work and get a lot Are of these funding. awards within the company. Uh, within, yeah. So if you can and imagine, externally or not within the company, but on the project. So there was okay, thirty-two great. companies on this large project owned by a Japanese company. Right. So really had a position to use my voice for good and excel. So outwardly, I was this young female change maker, disrupting the, the status quo um, and winning awards, was nominated to be in front of the Minister of the Northern Territory as a young achiever. Wow. Great, great, great career. Yeah. But more importantly, people were speaking up. But six months in, I had a new HR manager join the company. Um, nice. And that's really when my life changed massively. So he widely didn't believe that women had a place in the workforce. So was it? Did he say things like that? Yeah, yeah. There's like a there was a lot of different comments around women's feet are smaller because they should be close to the kitchen sink. Passed off oh his back. Was he old? Can I ask how old he was? No, roughly? no, he wasn't. Um, so he was sort of you know not not in his sixties anyway. No, definitely not in his sixties. Um, wow. You would think he was young and progressive, but um, from a, from a different cultural belief. Like, I'm just going to leave it as that. Yeah, okay. To me, um, but it wasn't really about like a cultural belief because we had oh. a mixed culture we had 52 different cultures on the project that didn't believe behave in this way yeah, um, yeah. But he hid behind toxicity and and just was allowed to reign um so yeah i suffered extensive bullying and harassment for three and a half years that started off as subtle sabotage of work to progressively um hang on what's a subtle sabotage of work? give me an example so it started off initially where he um Basically, what happened was uh, the, the HR manager who was in that position, um, yeah, got replaced by this guy. Um, yeah. And he pulled me into the office and I had trained this guy. Um, he was a colleague up here, um, got on well, had a bit of banter, a laugh, his construction industry, pretty tough skin, knew a lot of stuff, you know, was very friendly with me. And he pulled me in and said, hey, look, I'm going to be running this team and department now. Um, I knew you respected and got on well with the other guy. If you've got a problem with that, you can leave and I can get my own people in. Um, and I was like, oh, so I was taken back by that. And I said, oh, yeah. well, no, obviously. Yeah. And then he said to me, and I've seen the way you operate um, and just basically accused me of flirting with people. Uh, Common started that um, 
he said to me, you're a great HR, you know, um, officer. Um, you've got real potential, but your downfall is um, you're soft. Uh, you're too basically <laughs> oh saying that God. I was too kind, too nurturing. And if I wanted to succeed in the industry, I had to be cutthroat and aggressive. And I was just dumbfounded by this um and then yeah it went through a period of the first 12 months was like people pleasing me like me really cautiously trying to like succeed nothing I did was good enough to then uh setting unrealistic workloads to accusing me of flirting with people uh, and on one occasion that really stands out for me was um you know a big kiwi scaffolder came in in tears into the office saying that his mum was sick and he needed to get back to New Zealand as any yeah. decent human would be and would do, sat him down, you know, comfort him, put my hand apparently like on his back and said, hey, look, sit down. He was very upset. Got him I mean, a he's crying for God's sake. Yeah. yeah I mean, of course that's what you're going to do. Um, promised him we'd find a flight. And as he walked out of the office, his open plan office of all the staff, he, my, the, my bully stood up and clapped and said, could you have thrown yourself and been any more desperate and like, sniggered and humiliated me in front of everyone um oh yes oh how i mean how you even stuck it out yeah so that was the most subtle stuff and as i became more successful what happened was i created this this name for myself um without sounding too egotistical no 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 but that's right i mean you know you do well at work and the word goes around yeah so um if there was a hand injury or something going on the client would call me into the board of directors meeting ask me my input ask me to chat to the person that got harmed um ask me to be the the keynote speaker at the ceo oil and gas forum with all the world leaders come in Um, i was the first female and the first subcontractor to ever be asked to present it was a massive deal but all of this time as i became more successful outwardly and putting on a brave face inwardly the bullying uh, escalated to calling me at night, threatening me, threatening to have my visa cancelled if I didn't give him confidential names, accusing me of chatting to the client, making out to other colleagues I was dangerous. So all of these crazy things Ugh. where at one point he'd even hacked my computer and email because he was so paranoid that I was an outsider. And he was, I was just totally threatened by you by the sounds of it, like completely, oh, my God, she's going to get take my job one day completely threatened and I was everything that he wasn't so as a HR person no one wanted to come to him and chat to him I was the opposite emotionally intelligent kind nurturing and people got to the point at one point where you know our supervisors were saying hey this is going on with my workforce we've got this problem do not tell him so as you can imagine that put me in such an awkward position where someone's life may be endangered because they're suicidal or they're going through some you know traumas to the point where if the person my bully found out he would then make the situation 10 times worse and potentially exit them out of the workplace so it felt like we were taking 10 steps forward but 50 steps back (laughs) every time god almighty so what did you do next? I mean, what do you do when someone is picking on you that overtly and as you're rising up through the company, mm. they're just getting worse and worse and worse? Yeah. So, look, the bullying moved in waves, really. Sometimes it was so horrific. I was hiding in the toilet to, you know, developed PTSD, anxiety, would wake up in hot sweats, fearful that someone ended their life and it would be my fault as he made me oh, believe. You- 
Poor thing. Um, to other times when, you know, he I reported this 32 times to upper management. 32? Yes. So I documented oh it 32 times and due to a and, system. And where were you sending that to? Because were you able to go over his head yes. to say this yes. is the problem? Oh, look, there were other managers that witnessed it daily that because it was a boys club and I was the only female that was in that boardroom, at times he'd sneak it under his breath, make a comment and people would go stop that and then afterwards say to me, are you okay? But no one would like, the, the only time that it was a, uh, an ultimate challenge was when my project manager clotheslined him to stop him running at my desk one day and they had a big bust up. Um, so it went to corporate office to Perth. So every time someone came from corporate office to the project, everyone knew, but it became so systematically ingrained that Jess was a strong person. Don't worry, we'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. So as you can imagine, outwardly, my face is on all the banners. My awards cabinet is win, winning them millions of dollars of work. Um, but behind the scenes, it was, she'll be all right. She's tough. To the one oh point. Oh, my God. Someone... So what do you do? So what do you do? You've complained yeah. 32 so, times. I mean, did some yeah. at some stage, did they go, actually, we should do something about this? Yes. So um, late 2016, um, I thought I had groundbreaking movement. I officially put a, a formal complaint in where I seen him intimidating the cleaner. And I think it was so much about, I'll be all right, I'll be all right, suppress, suppress. So when I outwardly seen him intimidating that cleaner in that cupboard that day, the, the switch flicked um, to the point where I thought, you will not do this to me as a strong person, but let alone someone else where you Somebody, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I put in a formal complaint. I basically reported everything that happened. They gave me an hour of time with an external investigator, flew me to Perth. It was really traumatic. Don't forget, yes. all, all my family are in the UK. I'm, what, 26 at this time. I'm, I've just been fighting for a company and a culture um, in a hotel room in Perth. I can remember, like, it was just horrific. And I was the like, pits. how did I ever get here? Um, but, but, but I just don't even understand why... A, it would take 32 things, but also something as major as obviously you've called him out now. He knows that you've gone to head office. They should surely protect you. Yeah, so it gets even better, to be honest. Oh, God. So, um, so yeah, look, a horrific investigation. This one hour rolled into three and a half hours worth of evidence. I had an eight-page statement, so 32 of my more serious um, claims. Um, yeah. 13 of them eventually got sustained where people were... Uh, willing to speak up and give evidence because don't forget he's head HR so he hires and fires so my statement got confidentially leaked to every person and people got threatened and breathed. Hang on how did that even happen how did it is that him again is he able to? Um, That was the person who should have taken action against him that then became fearful for their job and their livelihood and thought holy crap why didn't I you know, deal with it, and questions were asked, how could you allow this to happen? But that right, individual, so they were protecting themselves as well. Yeah, so basically that individual, the wrong person was in the leadership role, then that person had their own personal issues, so that person would be ad hoc and missing and would end up crying on my shoulder. So when I had to say what was going on with me, it was, oh, you know, I've got enough going on. You're stronger than me. So I was too IC for the project manager. Oh, my giddy aunt. So, yeah, there was a lot of responsibility. So basically, long story short, investigation finished, waited and waited and got pushed back the results. So the anxiety, the sleepless nights, the weight loss um, to basically be 
the CEO fly to Darwin and sit in front of me and say, oh, do you really want him to lose his job? Basically, he's got a young family. Um, and I was young, naive. Oh, he's going through this personal issue. We'll move him to the Perth office. Me being young, naive uh, and kind. Oh, please give him the help he needs. Yeah. Um, and, and take him out of my office. I to work, do my job yeah. and protect my people. But unfortunately, um, I returned from my first Christmas break in three years overseas where I didn't feel anxious and scared to return back optimistic thought my healing journey was about to begin just being to a retreat in Bali for the what sixth time to try and heal myself get back um feeling like it's you know a fresh start 2017 and I was working a month on and every fifth week we had off as our downtime we was flying fly out um and yeah and he just started slowly coming back on my week off to one point the client requested me to come on secondment they had a couple of issues my company said, yeah, it'd be a great career, uh, like, progression for you. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. But then in that two weeks of my secondment, they brought him back. So the client's office is less than a K on the same job site away. And I walked in and he was sat on my desk. And I just remembered that crushing fear that uh. that just literally felt like the ground. And then from there, then it spiraled to people saying, you told us he wasn't coming back. You're in charge of the culture if they can't protect you. To them, the guilt of other people. And then in June 2017, I collapsed at work where I received an email to say we've won extra works and they're thinking of bringing him back. And I remember oh. just coming to work that day after a sleepless night and being in pain. Where that they, I got taken to hospital because they thought my appendix had ruptured. But what I now know is was a stress-related anxiety attack that had just compounded for three and a half what years. What was the company thinking of bringing, allowing him to go back? It's amazing. Mm. So, is it, so tell me that he, they eventually got rid of him. No, he's still with the company, and unfortunately, it's sad to hear that he's still doing the same. And I, it was six months ago when I received the email of a young girl that I recruited, a, a young engineer, um, and. Yeah, unfortunately, um, she sent me a 10 page email and I remember I was just about to speak at a conference and that that point when I heard that was probably the worst I felt even when I was in that hospital bed. The 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 the, yeah, the discussion, it was a mirror image of everything that has happened to me. And I was so annoyed. I ended up in a hospital bed and I made that person. You tried so hard to get rid of him. So and hard. I mean, yeah, when and you I think, resigned, yeah, and look, or when you left. People always ask me the question of, you know, why did you, why did you not sue them? Why did you not do this? But if you can think about it, I'm a young, at this point, I'm 27 years old. Yeah. I'm in a country away from friends and family. Um, I'm trying to survive. I got my resident visa six months before, but stayed at a loyalty, believing they would do the right thing. And also stayed because people were saying, if you leave, someone could end their life and you're the only one they trust. Oh, God, just that kind of pressure. Jeannie Mac. Yeah, so that's why I stayed for three and a half years. One career high, I thought, why should I be pushed out of a company let alone a country for doing a good that I'm job. I'm doing well in. Yeah, yeah. little Miss Stubborn was in me, was like, no, no, no. But I suppressed it to the point where then I realised 
the mental health effects became a physical effect when I collapsed at work that day. Um, but then I made my commitment to myself in that hospital bed that I will not spend a minute more trying to save and build a company that does not deserve my time and energy. And I think when yeah. I made that decision, um, yeah, I left and it was said that she left with female issues. Um, <laughs> and I, I moved, Are you serious? I moved, yeah, and I, and I guess it was shame, it was, it was shame myself as well. I never actually said to anyone what, why I left, even though people knew. Uh, I tried to work my month's notice, um, but they brought him back and one day I just walked out. Um, but yeah, Quite even, right, too. It sounds to me like you were an absolute angel for sticking around for as long as you did. Yeah. I mean, really, that's that's just criminal. I know. <laughs> what they I know. did. And people obviously listening to this can't see this, but you'll be able to see this. See this on my neck. I was just going to say you're, you've got a red flush on your neck, which is coming up from yeah. talking about it, I guess. So um, this is a direct result. So during my bullying and after, when I share my story in keynote, even though I'm emotionally and psychologically in a good space and detached from it the body remembers so whenever I'm doing a keynote and anyone to see me on stage I can break out in a in a body stress response um, which is super interesting because people assume that when you move from away from someone that's inflicting pain on you whether it's a workplace bully or domestic violence or however that's going to be once they've gone it's you know sweep it under the carpet move on with your life and unfortunately that isn't you the can't. case and that's no. one of the reasons why I decided to create Bullyology and uh, raise awareness around this topic and create Great. a movement. I, was, I, norm I normally say to people, what was the light bulb moment that just made you decide to start your business? But I guess we, we know it was three and a half years worth of light bulb moment. Yeah. Well, but, but what I was it that actually... when, but I was going to say, what was it when you came out yeah. of the business and you were thinking, what am I going to do next? So how yeah. did starting your own business come up and, and, and what you're doing? Yeah, so I did have a light bulb moment, I think, or a light bulb oh, okay. three days. Um, I remember being, um, so I didn't, I moved to Sydney in secret. I'd gone from a nice apartment and car earning probably the top of what I could be earning, you know, for my age um, yeah. because they were throwing cash at me, stay, stay, stay. So outwardly, I was like, right, OK, I'm at the top of my game for my age. And that was a driving factor as well. So I had, had to sell my car, move to Sydney in secret. I just started a relationship and I ended up in a shared house in a back bedroom with a suitcase. And I thought, how am I here again? Oh, my God. Again, I was going to go life? backpacker all I'm over again. I'm in a back bedroom in Sydney, no job, not really knowing the direction, pretty traumatized, thinking, ah, oh, how did I get you? <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was at that moment I picked up a, um, a, a job really doing coaching and consultancy and running two day workshops, um, for a company and we were doing internal training for the local government. Okay. Um, and that was a really like interesting point because as I was running these career transition workshops for people going through redundancy, a lot of them were executive level. And as we started to have conversations, the conversation of, you know, how, how certain parts of the organization were really toxic. The word bully was coming up. And I was like, oh, my goodness me, I'm actually not alone here. So I started to slowly but surely share bits of my story throughout my content. And they were always super engaged. 
And I bet. They would have been horrified. Yeah. So people were coming into that workshop really arced up because they were going through redundancy, hating their company, to then leaving feeling empowered that they could actually make a change. So I was yeah. like, right, okay, I think there's actually a message here that needs to be shared. Um, but it was at a Tony Robbins conference, actually. I went to one of his three-day conferences Probably the yeah. first immersion into like a um, extensive personal development. And I left there after three days with one mantra in mind. I will not be a victim of my circumstances. I'm going to turn my pain into my passion and power. And I stayed awake for two days yes. after that, writing all <laughs> over my bedroom walls in my small box back bedroom, <laughs> sticky notes everywhere and going, OK, this is my keynote. This is my programs. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to actually not get revenge, but teach them, uh, you know, hopefully they'll see my content and I can educate them. So I guess my outward was education is is what is needed. Uh, yeah. And actually forgiveness would actually remove all of the kind of pain I was suffering. As soon as I set myself free from that, I think that was where I was like a woman on a mission. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So how did so how did you start the business? So you've got a whole lot of sticky notes up on a wall and yeah. no money. How do you build a website? How do you become a keynote speaker? Well, how did you do it all? Yes. So I was really lucky. The company I started working with in the city in Sydney um, after that experience, um, they were very forward thinking. They were a lot like coaches, career coaches. And like the CEO of that company, I've written a chapter in my book about it, um, which she was really like, bring your whole self to work. What do you do outside of work? I love what it is- that it's a she. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like amazing. Um, and it was really like that was the first place where I was like, right, I've got this idea. And there was a couple of people there, screenwriters. Everyone had a passion outside of work, which I haven't experienced before, that we were bringing it into work and saying, I'm into Reiki energy healing. I'm into this. This is what I do type thing. So I guess like there I got some really great advice off a guy called Adam. He was amazing for me. And, you know, I was brainstorming with him and he said, writing a book takes time. And then I was like, right, I'm going to share my message. So I basically realized, right, I needed to register a business, um, called it Bullyology, called myself the Bullyologist. And really from there, I started to talk about things with with the people in that organization. They were like, you need to become the expert in the bullying. You need to actually do this lot of education. So, yeah, I kind of uh, in October 2017, three months after the hospital bed, I registered Bullyology. And had no idea what I was doing with business. And I still still think, I feel like I'm winging it every day. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was really wanting to just share my message. So I, I worked a full-time job for the first 12 months of Bullyology with like developing content, sharing blogs, um, found someone to build my website. I had had a website previously because even in Darwin, I studied Reiki energy healing and some coaching. So aside from the bullying, my outlet was Reiki and healing myself and healing others. So I had a bit of an idea of how to do that. Um, But I guess, yeah, the bullying, bullyology took a lot of traction in the first 12 months. People were really connecting to me. And I guess the first point for me where I realized this is serious I was offered a 12-month consultancy gig, um, 11 yeah. months into bullyology as um, the bullying subject matter expert, working for a tech company who were developing um, an AI for kids cyberbullying. Oh, so brilliant. It was that point where I'd done a couple of paid ad hoc gigs. But as you know, the first year of business, I was sharing, speaking at every charity and free event that I could to practice and 
like master yeah. the art. Um, but that 12 month gig um, really set me up to be like, oh, my gosh, I can actually finish my full time job, which I love. And the people are amazing and actually dive full time into my business as the expert and help them in their business. So, yeah, that was really how the journey began. Um, an opportunity started to open up. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you you are because it, it is super important. It's really interesting, though, when I first hear bullyology, and I don't think I'd be the only one, I immediately think of kids in the playground. So is are you one of the very few people that's doing anything about bullying in the workplace? Are you ta- Is bullyology from young kids all the way through, or is it really adults? Yeah, so it's interesting because when I first started bullyology, it was, um, you know, I wanted to change the world, and I still do. There was schools, there was universities, like community groups, the home, like this bullying happens in all pockets of society. Yep. So I went on a, a three-month tour of the UK, actually, um, and I was doing a bit of talk in schools and different things there, and that was really great. Um, but when I came back to Australia, something I really established was and and it's still it's still the elephant in the room. So every day I have an uphill battle with the workplace because one, people are scared to admit that there's bullying in the organisation. Two, the bullies often sat sit in very senior executive positions, um, and often people are promoted if they're a bully upwards to get them out of the way. Yeah. And so I realised right, okay, there there is a big issue with bullying across all pockets. Um. But I made the decision um, probably well, maybe 12 months ago that um, I would park schools for now as yeah. in my time and energy needed to be in the workplace too. Um, as a business owner, the money's in the workplace. And there's a lot of non-for-profits, amazing organizations in Australia. They get a lot of uh, funding and grants. I'm a for-profit business, so they... They get a lot of bullying. Um, so they were offering a lot of stuff for either free, which is great for schools, or, yeah. or not commercially smart for a single person trying to build a business. So I've no, been focusing and- my attention in the workplace, keynote speaking, and doing a lot of consultancy in-house of, of organisations. Yeah, fantastic, because I think that's really important. And also, at that time of your life right now, why wouldn't you just focus on things that are important to you? There will be a time if you decide to have children where probably bullying in the schoolyard is going to become important to you as well. But at not the really. moment, you know, it's not something that you're experiencing in, in yourself. So why mm. not just – and, I mean, the workplace yeah. is just – it's absolutely shocking, your story. Shocking. Yeah. And the good thing is all my content has been written and built. So I've got partnerships with third-party organisations that sell my online courses. And one of them is in, up in Queensland that um, has got a, a suite of um, schools and playgroups and – staff in all different child-based community and okay. organizations so they sell my content through my online courses to them so right it, so inadvertently you are helping the kids anyway yeah massively and and like the word bullying and when you think of the word bullyology again something that I've been going through particularly in the last 12 months during COVID massively is realizing that some people and organizations are still not ready for that content so I've been doing a bit of a shake-up and building my personal brand website because when yeah. I go into organizations people are quite shocked they go oh 
that workshop wasn't what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be heavy policy procedures. Don't do this. Don't do that. Very black and white. And when they meet me and we go through a process, you know, a lot of positive psychology stuff, look at that, some of our behaviours, some self-realisations and actually make a commitment of a relationship building exercise. People go, oh, so I realise there's a lot of work to be done in the front of marketing myself that under my personal um banner and some of the coaching I do um really it sits there so bullyology is fastly becoming a product of Jessica Hickman oh I love it Jess I love (laughs) love love I love hearing the brand as it starts to grow now I've got a million questions here most of which I kind of think we've probably answered Um, I'm just going to throw them at you in case there's anything that you want to say in terms of because this is a, a show that's all about female founders and women in business, I always ask people, are there some women that have helped you along the way? I guess you've kind of answered that with that amazing woman who's helped you with the training company in Sydney. Would that be right? Have there been any yeah. other women that yeah, sort of definitely. stand out as helping you? Yes, there's definitely been women. I probably would say um, someone that is really fundamental for me right now is Natalie uh, Welsh. She's um, been my business partner. And something we really did um, throughout COVID was uh, she works for a company called, she was working for a company called, well, she does still uh, perform HR. So what happened was we decided, decided to build our, and bridge our skill set to provide an offering to people throughout COVID. So what we did came up with was the Connect Tribe. Um, And we offered free webinars every week on a Wednesday to anyone on LinkedIn or whatever platform you're on. And we managed to build a tribe of like 100 plus every week that would come in and absorb in our learning. So I guess that that was really nice for me. And I, I guess like anyone who's a female entrepreneur or entrepreneur, like the loneliness of working alone, it was really nice to really tap into some of the learning and development stuff and talk about other topics other than bullying for a change. Yeah, so we we've built a strong relationship and developing a lot of other content um, and programs now to bridge our backgrounds and actually do a bigger offering to what is currently. So stay tuned for oh, that. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so watch this space. And she holds um, me accountable, so it's good. Someone like Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> And the, and the other woman who was your boss for a while sounds yeah. like she was fabulous as well. Sophia, and, she was wonderful. And then I, I always ask people, but I just kind of feel like I don't really need to ask you, is have there been pivotal moments, any challenges in your business? Uh, so since you've set up Bullyology where something's gone wrong, but you've really learned from it? Massively. I think that <laughs> one of my strengths and weakness is sometimes I am too kind and too trusting. And I get told this by my business coaches all the time. So I try to see the best in everyone. So when I've been offered a partnership or a opportunity to develop maybe, you know, an online product or utilize an app company or something, sometimes I've been very naive but I'm very thankful for a couple of experiences that have really shaped me where I've been stung financially. One of them is PR, actually. Um, oh, what a surprise. Yeah, I have so, to say. Uh, yeah. I feel like my, my business was my handle your own PR was set up on the back of people who've had bad experiences yeah, and said, yeah. I've paid all these people and they never did anything yeah. for me. Yeah. So, look, I've been um, and there's been a couple of occasions. I can probably think of three or four where these people have promised um me the world and I've handed over you know some like in the beginning my life savings to someone um and really 
been stung. But like anything, look, I believe that through adversity, they become our greatest gifts. So it turns well, into it's a book funny, isn't it? Keynote, so. <laughs> no, well, it's funny you should say that. that. That's one of the reasons I ask, because, you know, these terrible things can happen to us, but it shoots you off in another direction or you think of a different way of doing things on the back of it. And you can look back after you've recovered from the trauma yeah. and kind of go, best thing that ever happened to me in a funny kind of a way. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, all right, now talk to me about being an entrepreneur and and obviously you've moved out to Orange and you've got a partner there. What sort of hours are you working? Is this such a passion project that you work every hour that God sends? Um, to be honest, right now I would say my life is pretty cruisy. Um, oh, I, I choose my hours. So, um, I, and I'm really moved with my energy. I've learned that. Um <laughs> I really choose my hours, so everything is online delivery. So before it would be like traveling and and really kind of like being away from home. Um, but as you know, I've got a new uh, puppy, so I'm really <laughs> moving around the dynamics of that. And he's chewing my chair right now. So oh, I'm like, gorgeous. Oh, and you've got good internet, so you <laughs> um, can do a lot from where you are. Yeah, so look, I'm re-establishing my network out in the Central West, which is really interesting for me because we moved here for my partner's job. And he yeah. actually moved to Sydney for me from Darwin, where we met. So, so fair. We're, we're, we're kind of doing, yeah, like I, I, he was offered this amazing opportunity working out on a mine here. COVID has really impacted my business. So I've gone, well, I can do everything remotely now. Let's go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, choosing my hours, to be honest. I, I really have a good pattern at the moment. I'm writing my second book. So in the morning, I'm logging my hours, my thousand or plus words a day. Um, and then in the afternoon, then he's now finishing work at three o'clock, whereas before he would work 12 hour shifts, finishing at seven or eight. So we've really got a quality of life here oh, that great. we've never experienced before. So we're walking, we're hiking, we're checking out. It snowed on the weekend. So <laughs> I think COVID has taught me the importance of family and valuing time before I was always a yes person burning every hour under the sun doing coaching in the UK at night. Now I look at my week and, and really map out my time and be really conscious of my energy. Um, so it's been a nice experience for me. Oh, well, that sounds really good. Okay, now here we go. Now we're into the silly stuff. Yeah. Um, which is not really related to anything. But and I always ask this and it doesn't matter if there isn't. But is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? Yes. Um, I would Ooh. probably say a quirky fact that I'm I'm super psychic. So, oh, gosh, um, really? Yeah. So I and this is going to be in my second book, so it probably won't be a quirky fact. So you can be the first to hear. So Great. I had a car accident in 2013, just before I came to Australia and I had a near death experience. And during that car rolling, I had a psychic come to me. And yeah. And since then, I have been able to read energies and timelines and I think that was one of the fundamental reasons why um, me and my bully repelled one another because I'm I believe I'm light and I am light and he is dark so I can be in certain energies and entities and feel the lower vibration of a situation um, right so in my spare time you catch me reading tarot cards being a hippie hugging the tree um, oh, fantastic and that's why people get a shock when they see my bullyology and my red and my brand and then see me rock up in a multicolored outfit and go you're not what I expected so with my personal brand now I'm being unapologetic to be true to who I am 
and embrace yeah. that. So I, I've, I hid my spiritual side for a long time because of the construction industry, male dominated, had to fit into the ma- masculine. Super practical. Yes. As super, well. super masculine archetype where outside of that, that's just not what, who or what I am. So I'm, I'm going, okay, so who am I? So that's my fact. <laughs> Fantastic. That's one of the best ones I've heard. All right. And now we're down to the super silly stuff because I love my phone. Not everybody does, and I understand if you don't, but I love, I use it for work and I use it for play. So do you use your phone? And if so, what would be your two favourite apps for business, not including social and email and banks, those kind of yeah. obvious ones? Okay, my favourite app for business is the Trello board. Oh, yeah, um, great. Yeah, I can do all my coaching and my client work on there. I'm really structured. I've even mapped up certain chapters of my book in there. I just think it's, it's a great tool. And yeah. What else would I say? Um, well, oh, I absolutely love Audible. I'm a Audible junkie and podcast junkie, so that's great for me. And I guess what is my other one? I guess like I I love all the picture ones where you can make pictures and quotes and all like of that. Like Canva kind of and things like that. Yeah, Canva. Um, and another one is I think look. it was Evernote. Ever, Evernote. 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 Yes, Evernote. I think that I've used that, that one. Lets you oh, do... My favorite one of oh. all, Fiverr.com. Oh, really? Yeah, I get my, you know, branding freelancers. If I'm, if something's a bit too technical for me, Fiverr.com. Get a professional. Uh, I'm a big outsourcer, so I, I like to use people that are skilled in certain things. If I can't yeah, fix fantastic. the bug on something, I'm Fiverr.com, looking for an expert in this. Oh, brilliant! Oh, well, that's good. And what about playing? Do you play on your phone at all? Do you have any games? I don't play games on my phone. I think my okay. my downtime on my phone is is podcasts and audibles. So yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a great interview. You are so brave, so fabulous, and I have no doubt at all that we will see you rise and rise and rise in Australia, as I know you don't have any doubt, which I love. <laughs> so it's all going to happen. Congratulations, and um, I can't wait for this podcast to come out and everyone to hear what you're up to and what you're doing. I'm super excited, and thank you so much oh. for the opportunity. So what's the best way for people to get hold of you? Bearing in mind, uh, look, we are in August now. I don't think this will probably hit the – I don't think it will be published till about October. Okay, that's so great. What so is the... by that time, you will find me on jesshickman.com. Also, right. you can find me at bullyology.com. If yep. you search Jess Hickman Bullyology, you'll find me across all the social media handles. I think that the, my LinkedIn is, is my go-to. That's where I've got my following. That's where I've got my network. Um, and you're I'm, Jessica I'm, Hickman, Hickman on that. H-I-C-K-M-A-N. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much. No worries. And I've also got my own podcast. Oh, yeah, tell us. Uh, uh, the Jessica Hickman Show. So, um, oh, the Jessica Hickman Podcast, sorry. <laughs> um, I've just changed it. So, yeah, if you just find bullyology.com or jesshickman.com or my handle. And what do you talk podcast. about on your podcast? Um, so I've interviewed some amazing people. Um, Lisa Messenger was great. Um, is it around bullying or is it around No, well, to be or... honest, that's why I've rebranded because what I did was start to have a conversation about people that have gone through adversity and really take, turned it into their greatest gift. 
Um, and then I realized we were going in so many different angles because people, you know, are diverse, have personal stories. So I just branded it now under like we've got 20 episodes on there from energy healers to people that have really, you know, created impact through their personal journey to people that have suffered harassment to awful things. Um, but also some inspiring people that really, yeah, have changed the world. So, that is really nice. So hopefully it's a feel good. I mean, it was a bit of a practice to get some messaging out there, but it seems to come natural. So season two will be coming soon. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sthebos.com.au.